Welcome back, everybody. Um, Primal Athletics Radio. Been having a lot of fun the past couple of weeks. Hopefully, you guys heard uh, the past two episodes, one with us three and one with Selena and Krista, which was pretty good, actually. I was surprised, um, n- not in any particular reason, because I don't think they're good speakers, but I was surprised at how um, well flowed that conversation was. Because like when we started the podcast, I remember how awkward we used to talk. Like yeah. when you know somebody's listening and there's a camera on you, you're kind of like, a little more robotic and think a lot more about what you're saying. And even I still get that sometimes I think about, I listen to my, my, my voice and I'm like, oh, shit, do I sound stupid right now? Right. Um, but I think when I listened to them, they almost sounded like they were, they were just talking to each other and had no idea that it was being recorded. And I think that's like what makes for good listening. So yeah, good flow and good job by, by them. Yeah. So sure. good on you too. And if you uh, listeners hadn't heard it yet, that one was on, nutrition mostly about your mindset behind nutrition and setting goals they talked about smart goals they talked about having short-term versus long-term goals and what's uh what's realistic you know as far as like what you want from your nutrition coaching so uh go and listen to that one today for us we we've kind of been talking about this already for like an hour now um but it's it's good awesome um, happens yeah 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 it usually does i feel like we should just start recording like an hour earlier and take all those gold nuggets. Um, but we've been speaking about distractions and specifically how that plays into your, your training, um, anywhere really. But obviously for us, it's in the CrossFit gym, uh, in this space, things like people complaining about music or that the weather is affecting their workout and maybe the equipment is a certain way or isn't a certain way. Um, all, all types of factors that really at the end of the day, aren't under their control or under our control even. Um, and I, I think a lot of times those things are a detriment to, to somebody's performance, which in change is a detriment to their success as an athlete. Um, but Levi, you had a, you had a good one with the music. I think that's an easy place to kick off because it's pretty common. I bet any coach out there has gotten that. Right. Well, so I like to kind of segue into that, like the esoteric concept of like the music shouldn't matter. Like if we're training as, as far as for relevance to life, I, one analogy I like to use is like, let's say that we are trying to do something dramatic, like rescue a, a bus full of orphan children. We can't suddenly stop and say, look, the soundtrack that I want to listen to to do this isn't on. We have to stop and prepare ourselves with good music first. And really once the workout starts, I know me, I know Tyler, I know Eric, none of us even hear the music. It doesn't matter if it's it's literally could just be babies crying playing on the loudspeaker over the radio. And I wouldn't notice much of it because I'm focused on what I'm doing, the tasks that I've got to accomplish rather so than what perfect song is playing. Um, Besides the fact that in a whatever 10 to 15 person class, everyone's going to have different um, flavors of music they like to listen to. And I've done the experiment just to um, just to try it out that I've actually gathered a playlist together from every single person in the class and you guys want to listen to music so bad, we'll gather everyone's playlist and we'll pick a song from each of you. And everyone hated it. It was terrible. And I thought it was terrible. Literally had, um, the, in the arms of an angel, someone legitimately uh, oh, no. <laughs> requested that song. And I, I played it loudly over the speaker to allow people to really em- embrace that song while they were going hard and heavy for a, um, an intense wad, and it wasn't very pleasant for anybody. But nonetheless, the idea being that that music should be tuned out, and you should be tuned in on your movement, on your breathing, 
on staying within that threshold of what we're trying to achieve to get the most physiological benefit and not is everything going perfectly externally. I think that to, to pull the thread on that last thing you said um, even further, the deeper for me, like the deeper underlying current of that whole thing about somebody maybe not liking the, the set and setting or it's not up to their standard and they feel like it affects their workout. It's they're focused on external factors and in, in doing so don't have space for the internal factors. Yeah. And I find a lot of times if, if somebody's like worried about which direction the fans pointing, or they're worried about if, you know, the front door is propped open or not, or they're just caught up in the uncomfortability of things and caught up in, things that they don't have control over and maybe they're trying to grasp control because it takes them out of the uncomfortability of the workout. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of the benefit to be had is sitting with that. Like the workout is supposed to be uncomfortable. There are supposed to be parts of, especially CrossFit training there are supposed to be parts of that, that you don't want to be in presently. Um, but that's like, that's why it's there. You know, that's, that's a whole part of it for me. Uh, I had a, recent incident which i think um speaks to this in a way where um i was training a member and they didn't like the way the equipment was set up and it halted the whole exercise and i didn't i didn't address it at all because it, to me it wasn't really a big deal but it did spark the thought in my head like clearly either i'm not doing a good job of keeping this person focused on the task or they are not physically or mentally able to stay on the task because they're worried about something that's like it's really actually minuscule and taking away from the fact that we're trying to do something that is hard. Right. Yeah. The, uh, one thought brought to mind is that the same thing, if we're trying to focus on keeping within, like if we take, for example, a, a good chance to practice going very hard to the paint is that we want to reserve those for a few and far between days. Like if we're going for a benchmark workout, if we have some type of competition, which benchmarks in itself are a competition, then that's our chance to exercise the, the, the very um, psychologically daunting challenge of getting to that 9,500% um, and staying with it, that mindset to push yourself that may not be the most beneficial physiologically, but it's also a test. That's our linchpin for uh, measuring fitness in that realm. But the rest of those days, we're trying to get ourselves to like the 80, 85% and finish there. Like we could surprise ourselves with another round and still be able to do it. Might be begrudgingly, but still be able to and not have any of the distractions of, well, I need, okay, it's a 10 minute workout, but yet I need to take three water breaks. Um, I need, I haven't chalked my hands enough. And really we're going over to those places to give ourselves distractions. It's not something that we need. Your hands are caked in chalk. <laughs> There's no more chalk that can fit on there, but yet you're gravitating over to the chalk bucket and just piling on. They're mud at this point, and uh, and we don't need that. We need to like stick to the task at hand and stay focused. And um, one thing that I've seen with um, much of the members is that some, not much, some of them, is that they'll perhaps be going with the crucial ingredient of staying consistent. But yet, sometimes they'll ask, "Hey, how come I'm not? Um, how come I'm not seeing much improvement? How come my physique is still this?" But amongst those members, I think most often, more often than not, nine out of ten times, it's because when I see them going into the workouts, they never hit that willingness to suffer phase. They'll they'll stay below that. I mean, they might be 
barely breathing hard at the end of it. So being able to tap into, and when we go to those 95-100% days, that, that gives us a measure of what our 80-85% to 85 days are. Right? So we, we have to be able to hit 100% to know what the 80 to 85 and the percentage is lower than that. Because then you might think, um, you might think that your 60%, not to throw too many numbers out there, is your 85%. Um, and yeah, I think et that's cetera, a, yeah. That's a, that's a, uh, a, it's a skill or a knowledge that not everybody has is, is knowing where your 100% is, where your 80% is and all that. And I think that comes with uh, a lot of time and experience, yeah. but it's also, um, it also, everybody has a different degree of pain tolerance and mental toughness and all that. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I, I think like you're saying, a lot of people don't reach the, don't ever get to that hundred percent and they, they get to that 70, 80% and they feel like that's a hundred percent. Right. But exactly. Really, they can definitely, there's a lot more in the tank. Right. Absolutely. You touched on this before, Eric, but I think it's worth, uh, you know, recovering is a lot of what a coach's job to do is to meet a person where they are. So like if I'm doing elements with somebody who was never a competitive athlete and I have them do the fit test, which isn't really that hard, but for them, it's like the hardest thing they've ever done in their life. I'm, I'm going to do my best to not be unempathetic. Right. And, and right. be like, come on, that was you know, there's a lot harder things you can do, but as a coach, it's like, you got to just kind of meet that person. Like, all right, this, this feels like the hardest thing they've ever physically done. And maybe it actually is the hardest thing they've ever physically done. And the job from then is to open the door to the possibility that they have so much more capacity and like, Hey, you're way more capable than what you can currently do. And, and I think just that, that bear, that psychological barrier for a, a lot of uh, new athletes because it's easy to get that when you've been competing your whole life, but it's not so easy to get that in everyday life um, to be like, wow, I can go a lot further than I thought. Um, but the coach is there to help facilitate situations and environments and tasks to get, get people there. Right. But they also have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Right. It doesn't matter how much we care about getting them uncomfortable. If they get to a point where like, I'm not, I'm stuck. Like right. I'm done. I'm not doing anymore. I'm going to take two minutes off because this is starting to like make me sweat. Right. Like, and I've been around those people too. Yeah. And I, that reminds me of when I first started doing CrossFit, I had been doing bodybuilding and like typical gym going stuff for a long time. And I remember like, all right, I'm going to do like a, a pyramid set of like, you know, 12 reps then 10 and eight and five or, or whatever. And, and doing that, I remember with like squats and bench press, I was like, that was like my, the most uncomfortable I got in the gym. And I was like, this is like misery. And you you even squats and bench press. Yeah. And yeah. Like any kind of like higher rep, higher volume yeah. strength thing, even though you can rest two minutes between, like, I remember just thinking that was like the pinnacle of suffering. And right. like, even in men's fitness magazines, like that's what they would say. Yeah. And then I tried the CrossFit. Has evolved, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I did CrossFit the first time. And it was like, I think it was a, it was like a run with box jumps, uh, box jumps and burpees or something yeah and i remember just hurting so bad and right. being like something is like wrong with me <laughs> because i had never got that uncomfortable oh, yeah, before yeah. but it was uh it was just because i was i was getting to a new level of uncomfortableness so a lot of it is just real like you know experiencing it yeah
and, and the willingness to experience it. Yeah. Like it's hard to, what's the old adage? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah. It's kind of the same deal with training newer athletes yeah. right? or somebody who's never really pushed at anything. And that kind of ties into the autonomy. Right? For sure. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing that, uh, I think it's important to remember is that in the initial phases, that it is very important to have compassion with yourself, to allow yourself to not have to push to the 100%, but not to stay there. Because so often I see people never wanting to evolve past. If you allow yourself that compassion in the beginning, great. Encourage that. But then if you never allow yourself to go into those deeper states of suffering, then there's inevitably going to be some stagnation happening and wondering how come I'm not improving. Because we have to be able to push that that, RP, that rate of perceived exertion and be able to hit those higher ends of threshold before we can really start. And especially as we progress in our time doing this, that those states become necessary to be able to hit in order to keep making, especially at the beginning, linear progression. Yeah, I think it definitely is a progression. And I don't, I don't know, maybe you guys can think or speak to your ideal situation where someone achieves that 100%, but um, like I, I think it also depends on the complexity of the movements. Like if you're a newer athlete and it's, you know, a workout with high rep squat snatches, like you'll, you won't be able to achieve that uncomfortableness just because of the pure technical, right? you know, there's so be, many moving parts to right. it. Or if it's just a three minute max calorie. But if you bike. got some more simplistic movements in there, yeah. you're going to much easily be able to hit that threshold. Yeah. So I would say like as a newer athlete, it's nice like to find a workout, like maybe that just has like, you know, biking and burpees or, you know, really simple movements and take those workouts and see how uncomfortable you can get. Yeah. Um, and then as you progress with your, you know, technical lifts, then you can start seeing how uncomfortable you can get with those. But well, then I also like the, the, the phenomenal parallels that there are is if the, the basic lifts, which they're all, <clears throat> these are all universal movements. If they, you start applying those basic lifts and they start becoming, even at the threshold of exhaustion, start moving well, then they're going to translate over to the more complex lifts because they're all archetypes of each other. Mm-hmm. So if we can do a good squat well, then there's a good chance that we're going to start being able to do, even when we're exhausted, a good front squat well or a good clean or squat clean well. So being able to hold on to that, that, that good movement, even at threshold, is when we are really going to start noticing the most profound changes. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side of that coin, um, like we, we, a lot of people that don't have much athletic background, they might have a hard time being able to push themselves to the limit that's going to be high enough to elicit the most positive changes. But I've also come across many people that, let's say they do have they're a college athlete or high school athlete, and their mindset is the fact that they have to bring themselves to an, an absolute miserable state. They're slobbering all over themselves. There's spit, spittle flying all over the gym, and they're, they've got the speed death wobbles going on at the very end. Now, that's another time that we need to reevaluate and see if we can bring it back in to allow yourself to maintain a, a, a an intensity appropriate to, again, give yourself the most positive benefit to distill pretty much all of what we've said in the past like 15 minutes crossfit methodology we'd call this threshold training and i I know i've brought this up in past episodes way way back so 
Um, if for those of you listening, if you want to hear more on this topic specifically, just scroll down until you see, it was probably called threshold training, something of that nature. Um, but basically, the idea is for optimal ad- adaptation as an athlete, you want picture the yin yang symbol, right? You want one foot on the black part and one foot on the white part. You want to straddle the line between what you can do right now currently and what you maybe can't do, and you got to figure where out. You got to figure out where that line is through experimentation, and. To Levi's last point, maybe that former athlete, former college athlete or whatever they did, they always have both feet on the black side. Yeah. And they're not in an optimal state. They're right. not going to recover well. They're not going to make progress because they're, they're do, doing too much. Um, and on the other side, two people or two feet in the, the white side, you're not ever going to get past that. You, you need to at least get a toe over onto that dark side. And um, that threshold between what's capable right now and what you don't know is capable right now is where you make gains. That's where you make adaptation. And the really good athletes, the really uh, successful ones who have longevity, live on that line. Yeah. They're they're pretty skillful at writing the line between getting just before they get those speed wobbles, but not getting there. And I think the experience, we'll see if I can tie this back, but the experience that an athlete comes in with kind of determines where they where they need to put their feet basically on that line. So like, I think a lot of, like you were saying, previous athletes, they might've gotten to that point where they were at a hundred percent because they were chasing down a ball versus somebody else. And like, like I remember in soccer, like you, you, you can get really uncomfortable if you're like, you know, sprinting, trying to get that goal or whatever. And so Mm -hmm. you've, you've had experience with getting super uncomfortable. Um, And so maybe you come into the gym and you, you're very comfortable getting uncomfortable, but you don't have the technique down and you just, it looks like crap and maybe you need to, you know, yeah. dial it back a little bit and, and take the, your foot off the pedal. Or maybe someone coming into the gym is, has never gotten uncomfortable before and they need to, you know, use that time on the bike or, um, burpees, like these simple movements, use that time to get really uncomfortable. Um, so they need to push the other way. A right. Bit, so, I think a clear distinction for me, I know coming in with my athletic background, CrossFit was different mentally because in the past, like a lot of times sports are an open format, right? There's like external uh, things that happen that they dictate your intensity. So like if, if I'm playing defense in football and somebody breaks off a 30 yard catch, now I'm at a full sprint to catch that person. Or if I'm wrestling another wrestler and they shoot a double leg on me, I'm sprawling with everything I have and fighting for my life to not get put on my back. Like they dictated what my intensity was in CrossFit. It's you, you choose. You have, it's a closed circuit. You have all the autonomy in the world when you're doing the actual movement, um, to either go faster, go slower, to go heavier, to go lighter. Obviously the coach is there to help facilitate those things, but ultimately it's the person's choice, how much they want to put into it, how much effort they want to put into the movements and the, in the class. Um, and I think like, just learning that skill mentally of awareness and being like, well, I'm kind of in the driver's seat here. If, if I want to ride this line, I got to get myself there. Yeah. And I think if you're in that mindset, there's no room for distractions to kind of tie it back to, to, to distractions. Like if, if, if you're thinking about your form, your technique, if you're on that threshold, um, that that's a lot like you have a lot of thinking going on in your head and that's like yeah. your one focus and and if you're if you're in that state then 
like you're saying, you're not even right. The, the music's music. the last thing in my mind. Right, I could literally be babies crying, right. and I, w I would be unfazed by that. To yeah. test this theory, <laughs> <laughs> I've done it. We think serious boys. That's awesome. So yeah, so I don't know. I get for distractions. What would what are some? We mentioned the music. What are some other distractions that you guys have seen? athletes do or maybe you've you've done yourself in your earlier days or maybe recently all the chalk I mean, i've also long. yeah been uh, a little chalk um a chalk glutton <laughs> <laughs> well i think we all have done that but i like now i try and like if i i try and work it in so it's not going to cost time let's say i'm doing like today's workout which was uh row row wall ball and stances really the only time i there would be a good chance of me needing it. Maybe is if I go on to the the dumbbell snatches, mm -hmm. and so if I'm trying to hold on to it the whole time, I might chalk up, but I might not. For a lot of the rounds, I didn't chalk up because my hands I could see my hands, and I would just be wasting time trying to chalk up. They weren't right. all that sweaty, um, so I would just go right on to it. I think the clock can be a distraction. Actually, I think. Um it's a good metric. Like we definitely want to, as we get more experienced and skilled as an athlete, we want to track things and keep track of things so that we can measure um, our fitness, right? That's why we use the clock. For those of you who don't know, it's not just so we have scores on the board and to have a competitive spirit in the gym. It's to have measurable outcomes because that's the way you can actually quantify your gains yeah. uh, as well as poundage. That's why we, you know, Put it in your sugar wad when you hit a good lift. PRs aren't just to ring the bell and be happy and everybody claps. That's cool, but it's also so that you can measure your gains, um, whether you're going towards or away from making progress. Uh, but sometimes that clock or that weight can be a distraction, right? Yeah. You're, you're worried about that external number or the clock ticking and not so much worried about, am I being a virtuous mover? Am I holding a pace that makes sense for me and what I know my capacity is? Um, and sometimes, honestly, me and Levi did a lot of this during quarantine where we didn't run a clock. Yeah. We used to do hellacious wads and we wouldn't time them because... I mean, I'll still, I'll still do that on occasion. Right? That's yeah, I did that today. Yeah. Yeah. I did mile run, 800 meter yoke in a mile run. And I, I, I just did it as a, a movement, right? I wanted to yeah. sit with my breath. And Purely kind of, for quality, yeah. Yeah, for quality and to, to feel my body in positions and to make sure I was bracing and... I don't, it didn't really matter how fast they did it. And not to say that that's, that's something to do every day, but it's definitely something that shouldn't be the nexus of your training is that you need, you need to be always aware of the clock and always aware of how much weight you're using and this and that. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing that I think about, like, for example, with today's workout is like, if I'm, the music would be a distraction if I'm doing things like, if I'm on the rower and I'm trying to hold a certain um, calories per hour, then I'm going to be staring at, I need to keep myself 13 to 1500 calories per hour. But if I'm thinking about, okay, what song, this song isn't my favorite. I don't like pop music. Um, then that's a, I mean, that's going on field trips mentally mm -hmm. rather than keeping yourself paced and at, present. At, yeah. Well, I really think I've, I'm empathetic to this because I've done this and still struggle with it at times, but in a really nasty workout to, to go on that mental field trip, requires you to no longer be present in the uncomfortable part of the workout. Yeah. Right? Like up yesterday, like I'm doing a bunch of burpees. It's like, do I want to be feeling and thinking about every single burpee? Right. I should be. Yeah. But sometimes it's easy to go somewhere else and just go on autopilot. 
Well, on on the other side, on the bright side of this, I should say, is that I don't. There is no other more more uh, profound remedy to anxiety than an insufferable workout. Because there's no room in your thoughts for depression or anxiety if, if you're putting yourself to the edge where you're in a state of physical misery. There's no mental misery to be had. So I think for some of those that, which a lot of us have gone throughout the years, if we have those states in our lives where we're not the happiest or we have suffered from anxiety, that that's your remedy. That gets you out of it. That gets you that sweet relief is to be able to ride that edge. And you don't have to have a head full of tumultuous thoughts at that time because all you can think about is what you're doing there. Physically overwhelm yourself. Yeah, it's funny. We So like I asked a few members about a year ago, like what brought them into the gym? And some of the best movers or the people that were the best at finding the stimulus said that they came in purely for the mental yeah. um, benefits of it, like the mental sanity, the mental health, whatever it Absolutely, was. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. But. Um, from, from something slightly unrelated but not necessarily completely unrelated, the, uh, the cold therapy which Levi actually introduced me to, and I know a handful of our members here have since come and tried it uh, at my house, and also there's a couple of members who have like invested in their own cold water therapy and all that. Um, and there is definitely physiological benefit to it, but to me, one of the bigger benefits is to play on what you're saying. It's impossible to yep. not be, be present, present. Yep. when you're in freezing cold yeah. water. It's 100%. impossible. You, you can't, unless you're Buddha, you're, yeah, you're not able to sit in, in there fact, and think about it. In fact, if you can, you're pretty you're pretty acclimated to the cold. Yeah, right. right. You you made enormous adaptations if you can go on mental field trips in the cold. Yeah, and it's probably time to find some other thing to try. All right, you're yeah. too adapted to it. Yeah. One other distraction that I come across, and sometimes all that'll throw off my workout is like if I'm working out with somebody who's maybe going like far ahead. I yeah, during quarantine. For sure. Yeah. We would work out a lot together, just us two, um, in between, like painting that ginormous wall. Yeah, four week paint job. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I remember there were times where it was like we would start out, and I'd be like, "All right, I I can probably hang with him," and I let that determine like my my pace. Yeah. And then I get into the workout, and, then, and I'm yeah. like, that was a mistake. So. A few minutes in, you realize what a terrible <laughs> mistake you made. Right. I've done that with Tyler too. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that that can also be a distraction as other athletes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just gotta go into your little box and stay there sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard a, a great analogy from I think it was Amanda Barnhart, games athlete. For those who you don't who, who don't know her, she was a like a really high level competitive swimmer, and she said uh, CrossFit's one of the closest things she could ever compare to swimming because um, when you jump into the to the pool and you're in your own lane it's almost like there's nobody else in the pool. Yeah. Like you have a straight lane to go and you just run your race and you swim your race. Right. And, uh, it should kind of be like that every wad. Like three, two, one, go. It's you're in your lane and you do your best at your capacity. And however that, whatever the clocks is at the end of that, um, whatever the weight is at the end of that, whatever the metric that we're using that day, that's yours. It doesn't necessarily have any effect on anybody else and theirs don't have any effect on you. Yeah, well, and I think we've, we've been doing this a long time, but for me, it's even hard to conceptualize having space to have distractions when you start something like like today's workout, for example. But I like I wouldn't even be able to imagine having some, some something distract me from what exactly what I'm doing. 
it's just impossible for me. Yeah. And I mean, I know that's an acquired skill, but the, the thing that's kept me competitive, like in, in most any given gym, unless I'm just in a room full of absolute hammers, and in which I haven't come across very much, is that I can still be competitive with the best, but it's not because I'm the best mover. I move well, but my mobility restricts me to being able to be the best mover, but my mindset is what takes me there. And in fact, my mindset was a bane when I first started because I would try and hit that. I was on the other end of that spectrum where I was always hitting 100%. I could, I could barely um, put thoughts together at the end because I was, I was a drooling, slobbering mess at the end of it. And um, I had to learn the skill of dialing back. And that's when actually my younger 22-year-old self would get eaten by the 38-year-old version of myself today because eventually I acquired that skill of, of hitting, hitting the right RPE. Especially in a sport like CrossFit or a training modality like CrossFit, is, there is never one event or one day that is the end-all, be-all. Like at the CrossFit Games, you see, you know, event, you know, sometimes there's outliers, like, you know, Matt Fraser was completely dominant in some years, but usually it's like, over the three days of competition, there's, you know, you know, it's a close race and then it gets farther and farther and farther. And then by the end, this person who was consistently coming in top five over everything, those are the people that are, right. um, you know, destroying it. And it's because they're not distracted. Like maybe they could have pushed a little bit harder in the, you know, in an earlier event, but that means they sacrificed later. And so by just staying in your own lane, focusing on yourself, um, like Froning and Matt Fraser were both really good at that. Um, they always end up yeah. just being completely dominant by the end of the weekend. Well, yeah, and the other thing that I think about with this stuff is that <clears throat> when, let's say, for example, um, we've got something with um, some dumbbells like today, but even when we're on that last rep and then I see people, this is to me a sign of being unfocused, just dropping it from the bottom of the dumbbell goes, especially if there's two dumbbells, is double um, snatches, then they go plopping everywhere. Then you're gonna, that's a price to pay. Now you're gonna have to gather the dumbbells. You're not maintaining control. There's a physical toll on that because you've, you've pretty much given up in that last rep. When, if you were to control it on the way down and then put it right where you can pick it up the next time, then it's gonna be easier and more efficient for you. Or another example would be, let's say we're doing, if we did wall balls and you do one rep drive it up there but you you get unfocused and the next rep you can't get it and then you just plop so, so rather than being able to hit that sticking point and push through then you've wasted a rep because you couldn't do the rep rather than and that's mentally couldn't do it not physically mm -hmm. so being able to hit those sticking points and grind through them is an important skill to develop which means also being able to get get to that 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 suffering point and still still get through it right and just for the sake of the dumbbells don't don't ever drop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I cringe when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Have some control. Yeah. Like, I, I always tend to take what we're talking about in context of CrossFit and zoom out into context of like you as a whatever, you know, X, Y, Z, as a husband, as a whatever you do for work, um, as a member of society. If you have a attention to detail like that, in the gym and you have the skill to be present in the gym and you have the skill to have self-awareness and know where your limits are, know where your edges are, 
um, how to stay focused under pressure. Like those are things that are just going to make you a better anything, not just a better crossfitter. And this is like a playground to develop those things. Yeah. But it's not the end. It's a means. In a controlled environment. Yeah, it's it's very much like the perfect playground to develop those things. We talked about this last time, I think, and I, I feel like it always kind of winds up back there. Um, but I, I truly think that's the biggest value uh, to CrossFit methodology, even more so than the physical benefits, is it just sharpens you as a person. And all those skills that you build in here and all the things that you do, if you do it right, if you do the methodology justice, you're just going to be a, a more competent human. Yeah, we... I think we did an episode called like go, go the extra inch and that, that kind of relates to it. Go the extra inch on that rep to, you know, put your dumbbells where you don't have to chase them later. Um, and I think we tied it into like some people putting all the forks in one section in the dishwasher. Oh, yeah. So when you empty it, it's easier. Like yeah. there's always, there's tons of examples like that or if everybody put their shop, uh, shopping cart back in the corral, like, Right. You know, Ultimately, just, you're saving energy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if everybody went that extra inch, it, it pays dividends. Yeah. Right. But it's also having the presence to realize, look, if I'm going for another round, I don't want to. Right. I'm going to have to gather those things. Yeah. Together. It's like short, short sightedness. Right? Yeah. To just airmail your equipment. Right. Besides the fact that I cringe every time I see those things drop from <laughs> overhead. Same. Someone said the other day. Oh, no dropping dumbbells because Eric's in class. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to bark about it, hopefully. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I don't know. Any other distractions that you guys come up with? Uh, well, we've already talked about it, but I think it's worth noting again. Things like, okay, good. Make sure you're hydrated, right? If we have a 30-minute workout, yeah, drink during it if you need. But... Try not to use the water bottle as a way to just give yourself a break unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. If we have a 10-minute workout, 15-minute workout, there's really no benefit to drinking in the middle of it. You, right. know, you, you can't even get anything from it. Yeah. So try and keep yourself away from it knowing that all you're doing is giving yourself a chance to break unnecessarily. Yeah, and, and if you're super uncomfortable and it's a 5- you know, to 10-minute workout, and you drink water, and that's going to make it even worse. Exactly. Having, having yep. that sit in your stomach. Right. It does nothing good for you. Yeah. You can't hydrate in yeah. that amount of time. So I mean, uh, if you have like dry mouth or something, quick like swish around, I can get that. But like, yeah. I've yeah. A lot of new people I notice like they they chug water when they get that uncomfortableness. Yeah. It's like a way to like quench or I don't know. It just feels good to get cold water in you. And then they like inevitably a minute later they're like oh, I'm nauseous on the throat. Right. Game you over. Can, <laughs> you can like someone running a a mile run or even a a two mile run uh, at an elite runner, they would never stop to drink water at a two mile run. No, never. It would be unfathomable. And it, it's it, there stands no benefit to be had from there, and there does stand a a, a lot of detriment from drinking right. water like that. But I think it's mostly used just to. To distract yourself. Yeah. Um, one more that I can think of, and this is for those who I coach out there who listen to this podcast, remember this is my biggest pet peeve as a coach. When a member in class makes it a point to tell me about something that another member in class is doing, specifically if they think that it's being done wrong. 
Like, yeah. hey, that person in the back row didn't extend on that. Right. And then we're like hall monitors like, for everyone else <laughs> in the class. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's not even so much that like, oh, maybe I missed that correction. It's it's more so that yeah, why the hell are yeah. you turned around exactly. looking at yeah. anybody else? Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is just like, it's such a clear, you're being distracted and pulling yourself out of your experience. Was it in the middle of the workout? In the middle of the workout. Okay. <laughs> even worse. <laughs> Or like, even, <laughs> like I, I get being bothered by like someone shorting reps or whatever, especially if they like put it up on the board and rub it in your face. Like that, that's annoying, but you should never be focused on that. Right. That's yeah. another distraction. If you're worried about other people cheating reps, like you're really competing against yourself. Yeah. If you're, if you're at the, you know, CrossFit games and there's a million dollars on the line, like, all right. But if you're just in the gym, there's no benefit to well, winning. Keep in mind, the yeah. scores on the board are take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Like, we're all counting our own reps. They're not judged. Right. So I count so, by twos most of the time. <laughs> I count by how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like 20 reps. <laughs> that was a three-minute frame. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there was that, there had something that uh, I got that brought to mind with that. But now I can't remember it. This sucks. I hate that. I, I have the exact same thing. I was like, oh, I was going to say something. <laughs> yeah, right. Before but, things so got you guys funny. got distracted? <laughs> yeah. I got distracted. Oh, shit. <laughs> Shoot. Now I want to remember. Because it, it tied in with you. You were it's about mem members paying attention to somebody else's performance or not not, not worried about their own movement and worried about somebody else's movement. Or... Yeah. Well, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. I can't. I can't recall it. No. Stay tuned for next episode. Yeah, we're, right, we're right. Gonna, that's a good <laughs> organic opening. Yeah. Right. We're yeah. trying to figure out a way to organically open the episode without like, "Welcome back." <laughs> and I think maybe we can just bleed into like you remembering. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would hope that would even come a little to me. Light bulb emoji yeah. or something. Yeah. Well, I think that'll do it for this at least. So, uh, yeah, S stay in your lane for lack of a better term. Right. The more you focus on you and what you're doing, and if you're doing it well, the better you're gonna be. Um, and there's, there's no reason to pull yourself out of it. There's actually, there's less benefit to be had if you could distract yourself, especially in an uncomfortable situation in the workout and just be there and experience it. And then you gain that knowledge. So you know where your edges are. We wrap it up there. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a good place. All right. We'll see All you right. guys next time. Okay. Yeah, I, I was really happy to say, but now I can't. Yeah.